What makes a life a good one? Is it the adventure you have? Or the friends you find along the way? Maybe it's pursuing your passion while striving to protect, defend, and save what you believe in every single day. So, what makes a life a good one? In the Coast Guard, we think it's all of the above and more. But you'll have to find out for yourself. Visit GoCoastGuard.com to learn more. Hey, thanks for joining us tonight. I'm Dr. Gina, and this is Primetime. One thing that I've always said is how proud I am of our team here at RAV, Real America's Voice. We work so hard each and every day to bring you the real news, the news that the mainstream media just seems to refuse to cover. Case in point, Turning Point USA's Student Action Summit. For four days, young people from around the country descended on West Palm Beach to come together to hear from some of the most influential members of the conservative movement and to share ideas with, with each other in the largest gathering of young conservative students in the entire country. I had the pleasure of speaking to Turning Point USA founder Charlie Kirk about the event. Take a listen. Right here with Charlie Kirk, the founder, of course, of Turning Point USA. Um, and I just, I have to start with first things first, because I really think, you know, so much of what we are facing right now in this country is the breakdown of the family. Yes. You just got engaged. Yes, thank you. And, and you have a beautiful fiance, and uh, Erica, she just ran down and said hello to me, and she is, she's really a light, a beautiful little light spirit in this world. And I just want to give you a chance to comment on that and say congratulations from all of us here at RAV. Well, thank you. I appreciate that. Every man should do the same. And uh, every woman should too, but it's the man who asks. And uh, yeah, we're very excited. You know, this has been an awful year. Uh, there's no way about, no, no two ways about it. But at least I'll, I'll always remember it as a good year, though. That's what I decided. And that's another good lesson: is you can make a decision of whether or not things are going to go well. And I made that decision. And you did. And you made a good one. All right. I want to get down to uh, brass tacks. You know, I, I really, I, I don't know if you observed this. I haven't had a chance to talk to you this entire SAS. But I, I've noticed an, uh, almost a renewed invigoration in the students here this year. Have you seen that? Oh, yeah. No doubt. And look, they understand uh, and they're taking responsibility that it's on them. You know, where the, you know a lot of the adults, uh, they have failed us. And I mean this with all due respect, and you know, I said this on stage, but the lockdowns are the worst decision ever made in the history of the country. Um, they have destroyed an entire generation's um, livelihood, future. Uh, we've lost tens of thousands of people to drug overdose and suicide, uh, job displacement, uh, drug addiction. We have destroyed spring sports, summer sports, prom, commencement, fall sports. And the data does not even warrant anything close to that. Quarantining is a dumb epidemiological um, public policy measure. I've been a lockdown critic since they've started. We practice what we preach. And I think these students are now kind of realizing in a very bizarre sense, they are the adults in the room. And they should be, because now it's time for us to take ownership for our country. And so what does that mean practically, Charlie? Like, when you, when you put together these, these are massive undertaking. I've done small conventions. Yeah. I can't even fathom what you go through to do one of these. And it's not like you don't keep a schedule to begin with, with all of your other activities, right? And a new engagement and all the rest. And right before Christmas, when everything's as hectic as it could possibly be, and every year I'm asking myself as a mother, why does Charlie do this right before Christmas? But, <laughs> but you do. And, and so what is the takeaway? What do they go home and what do they do now? So we do it near Christmas because it's the end of the semester. And also, I, I, I'm a contrarian. No one does events near Christmas. I'm like, it's the perfect time to do it. And yeah, look thanks at the a response. lot. No, look at the response. <laughs> no, it's, it's so good. 
Look, the call to action is what we've been talking about all throughout the conference, which is that every single person needs to take responsibility as they are their own individual vessel to save the, save the country, that you're going to become a reporter on your campus, that you're going to become an investigative journalist. We had thousands and thousands and thousands of young people. Somebody in that audience is going to all of a sudden, by an act of randomness, come across somebody powerful. When you come across that powerful person, who's not a good person, might be a mayor, might be a city councilman, it might be a CEO, and they're using their power to exploit the weak, take out your smartphone and ask them questions. That's simple. If every person did this when they interacted a tyrant, all of a sudden the tyranny would end. It's amazing what when these tyrants get, and by the way, I'm not saying doing it disrespectfully, just ask them questions, that's it. And that's just one thing. They should, they should start Turning Point USA chapters, they gotta get engaged, get involved, and you know, that's what we're going to see coming out of this event. What was your favorite part of this? Well, uh, it's not over. The president calling in was kind of cool. I don't know if you saw that or not, but he called in on stage, which was kind of fun. And uh, We actually tweeted about that. Oh, thank yeah. you. No, but it's been great. I think my favorite part has been seeing how our staff has handled all this. Um, this is the hardest thing a group can do right now. It would have been so easy for us to do the Zoom and Skype thing and have every speaker yeah. you know, come conveniently timed and all of that. Doing this in person and dealing with the county and all this nonsense, it's hard, but it's necessary. We're not cyborgs, okay? We're more than Zoom and Skype sessions and all this nonsense we've had to do. There's actually something to standing next to someone. You can feel their energy. You can feel if they're really all about it. It's not a two-dimensional kind of five-minute thing. And so my favorite part has, being, has, seen, has been seeing how our staff did not break, how our staff has not slept the last couple nights, um, because behind all of this, you know, there's a lot of people that they, they are professional complainers and professional critics. You go try to do, do an event like this. You got to deal with city county officials. You got to deal with lawyers. You got to deal with police. You got to deal with Secret Service. You got to deal, and by the way, that's just that aspect of it. Then you got to deal with attendees. You got to deal with parents. You got to deal, then you got to find a way to pay for all this. And then you got to, I mean, you talk about the infrastructure here, it's pretty incredible, but our staff deserves the credit. They are, they're, they, they really believe in what they do and they're total patriots. So that's been the best takeaway for me. Charlie Kirk, Thank founder you. of Turning Point. Thank you so much. Yeah. All of the hard work that Charlie and his team at Turning Point USA have done to put these events together and to organize young conservatives is so evident when you see the excitement level at the Student Action Summit. Well, like I said at the top of our show, our team here at RAV, Real America's Voice, is working hard to give you the best, most honest content that you simply won't find on any of the Alphabet Soup networks. So with that in mind, we want to take time on this show to share with you some of the most impactful interviews our team was able to grab this week. We spoke with some of the biggest political names in the conservative movement, and we want to make sure you don't miss a moment of that action. And speaking of excitement, there's one political figure in particular that has young conservatives very excited, and that is Congressman-elect Madison Cawthorn. Now, Cawthorn is set to represent the great people of North Carolina's 11th Congressional District, and our very own Ben Burkwamp spoke with the Congressman-elect. Take a listen. Uh, congressman now, or uh, Congressman-elect. Indeed, indeed. I get to represent 700 and about 13,000 of the greatest people in the country. What is this event and the fight that we're in right now mean to you? It means that there's a new wave of Republicans coming. I mean, have you heard just how pathetic and weak the Republicans have been for the last two two decades? And they've ceded the apps, all of the culture to the Democrats. And this is this event is saying no. We're taking the next generation back. And I, I think Gen Z. I'm the first year of it, and I'll tell you, the, I'm the first year of, of Gen Z. It's going to be pretty daggum conservative. 
We've got thousands inside. We've got thousands more outside that aren't able to get in here. Is that any reflection of the hunger that young people have, do you think? It's one, it's a reflection. Uh, it's a reflection of how hungry people are. I mean, you hear this crowd. It's amazing. It's a reflection of how much people want to get in to hear common sense policies. But it's also a reflection of what Democrat controlled cities do and democrat controlled counties do they shut things down it is costing this venue thousands and thousands and thousands of dollars this venue feeds hundreds of families and now they're saying no you know what i i'm not going to do it so. I, we were in there plenty of room it's wide open is this an, i mean it's just insane it's insane what, what's happening here what how do we get past this as americans all the covid lockdowns all of this tyranny that we're seeing. Uh, you know, I, I think Denzel Washington said it, the best way to get rid of racism is just stop talking about it. <laughs> uh, I mean, this is a completely created, manufactured outrage that we're seeing. Uh, and that's why, you know, I always say it's more fun to be a Republican because, you know, we have common sense. We can go to bed knowing that we are actually working to make our country better and we don't have to burn a city down. Uh, well, guys, I got to run outside. You're welcome we're to follow. Up, but yeah. I'm coming out there with you, brother. Thank you. Madison Cawthorn, North Carolina, Congressman elect. Let's head out there with him. Are you going to be speaking here in a second right now? Oh, let me get out in front of you then. Come on. We're going to get out and not come back in. That's okay. Yep, yep. Okay, so Epstein didn't kill himself, and these libs are not going to kill our This is Benny Johnson on there. Sure. Now, I have such a kick-ass speaker for y'all. I promise you, you are going to want to hear the next guy. The next person here, raise your hand if you are in your 20s. Okay, okay, if you're in your 20s, here, listen to me. We'll push out in front of you. We're gonna have to, first off, take, take one step back. Take one, this is not me trying to get people away. Take one step back, because this next speaker is big. If you are in your 20s, celebrate with me the fact that the youngest member of Congress
Stick with us. After the break, Ben Burkwam talks with Texas Representative Louie Gohmert, and you won't want to miss that. See where you are. Man, that sunset is gorgeous. Grill, patio, sunset. Hard to get better than that. Unless you're browsing Carvana's inventory while you soak it all in. Oh, burger time. So sit back, get comfortable. Carvana's got thousands of cars under $20,000 just waiting for you. I could stay here forever. Carvana, where car buying meets comfort meets convenience. Download the app or visit Carvana.com today. And welcome back to Dr. Gina Primetime. Real America's Voice contributor Ben Burkwam had a chance to sit down with Texas Congressman Louis Gohmert. During the interview, the two discussed the future of the Republican Party, the youth movement, and what needs to happen to secure the vote in upcoming elections. Take a look. Uh, and I'm joined with one of my favorite people, Louis Gomer, Congressman Louis Gomer. Congressman, this battle that we're in right now, the battle for the future of our nation, it's inspiring to see these young people out here, but what, what is your message to them? I know you're gonna be speaking a little bit later, but what's your message to the young people of America? It's just a recognition of what this is. This is thousands of young people who are not looking for a safe place. That's right. They're not saying, somebody hurt my feelings, I'm, i got to find a safe place. They're wanting to save this place. And so it's really inspirational to be here after coming straight from Washington, where there are people that are looking for safe places and safe positions and not wanting to take a stand. Well, we've got young people here that are ready to stand up and are standing up and saying, we don't want to lose our freedom. And we see what's been going on. And uh, anyway, <laughs> I had just seen the anniversary of Les Miserables, and I think about these young people saying, you know, do you hear these people sing song of angry young people? And it's the music of a people that will not be slaves again. We've been slaves figuratively, not in the 1800 sense. But as I've said before, this the only thing Orwell got wrong was the year. But when you have high tech and the Democratic Party combined to spy on people, to gather their data, to manipulate, to refuse to allow people to hear the truth about Democratic candidates and to fraudulently make allegations against people like President Trump and others. Uh, we're in a dangerous situation. So it's thrilling to be here and see people that are woke they have awakened to the fact that they don't want to be manipulated by the government or high tech. And to that end, I keep asking, the young people keep asking me, actually. Uh, they, they believe President Trump won the election. They believe there was massive election fraud. I, I asked a group of 1,000 young people out front before we came in here, how many of you trust the election results? Not a single person raised their hand, but the entire crowd booed. From your perspective, what you've seen, how big a fraud was this, and what does it mean to the American people and to this country going forward if that fraud is able to stand? Well, we saw fraud start, uh, at least play out in Texas in the primary and general election in 2018. And I was hoping our attorney general there would, would take that up, the evidence there was, get warrants, grab machines, and, and expose it. 
but that didn't happen. So the uh, the trouble is when good people don't rise up and take on fraud and evil, then it gets stronger and it takes over. We know we've seen uh, the dark ages occur when good people didn't do enough to prevent the forces of evil from taking over. And so we go through dark periods. It is just a matter of history. And if the dark forces take over now, the forces that lie to us, I mean, for heaven's sake, you can go online and, and do a Google search on the vote counting that stopped on election night, and you'll be told it never happened. That's been proven false. So don't believe your lying eyes and ears. You just believe what we tell you on the internet. Just forget about what you see yourself. And the mainstream media. And the mainstream media is part I mean, of the that's problem. why we, we are here. Real America's Voice News exists and because there was a vacuum of right. truth being told out there. That's right. And <laughs> I, I can't really, in good conscience, call them mainstream media anymore. Right. Uh, they're more appropriately referred to as the alt-left media. Yeah. They're just so far left and they've taken up the role that the government supposedly was doing in, in uh, 1984. He got the year wrong, but we're seeing so many of the other things he wrote about play out. So uh, it's frustrating to talk to senators and some House members who say, well, I know there was fraud. But I don't think it's a good idea if we, in Congress, overturn what a state voted to do. Well, well, there were people at the state level that knew there were fraud, but even though the courts, the courts have not allowed any evidentiary hearings. Right. You know, I keep hearing from the alt-left media that, uh, well, all of this has been looked at. It's all been debunked. There was no fraud. No. They are finding reasons not to take up these cases like the Supreme Court did, but there was fraud. So my question is, if we in Congress just say we really shouldn't step in, though we know there was fraud, the results were not appropriate, but we shouldn't be the ones to overturn it, then that's the last level of defense. Right, then we what, would you, have what said are you there the, for? Yeah, exactly. I would have said the Supreme Court would be the last level of defense, but uh, our Chief Justice has shown you can't count on him to defend the Constitution, not if his popularity is at risk. So the, the, the media is corrupted. Our election system's corrupted. Obviously, the left, in a lot of ways, has become anti-American. What happens if Congress and the Supreme Court don't do their job? What does America look like in 10, 20 years? Five years, next well, year? Well, we will become like Venezuela. We'll be a, a single-party country, and the elections will not ever be free and fair again. And I know uh, some people quote Reagan appropriately as saying, you know, we're one generation away from losing freedom and also saying no generation that's lost their freedom got it back in the same generation. Ben, I would submit to you, if this plays out, we will have lost our freedom and I don't think it'll be back again. And I know it won't in my lifetime. There are countries around the, around the world where people have told me, 
We're praying for America. Yes. You know, we know our country has got corruption and problems. Our only hope in this world yep. is if America is strong. Yep. They get what the left here does not. The left here thinks it's evil. We should be socialist. And around the world, people that have dealt with socialism know that you have to have a totalitarian government. You have to lose your rights in order to have a socialist system. The economy goes south. It, everybody suffers. They know if we go down, there is no other place to turn. Uh, talking a couple of years ago to a few guys from uh, Australia with the government there, and I thought they'd find it amusing that some of us in Congress were talking about, you know, what, what happens if we lose our freedom here. And one of them had said, well, we can just all go to Australia. And none of them even smiled. And one of them said, do you not understand? You lose your freedom here in America. China will take us over before you could even think about coming to Australia. Right. They thought this out. They know how it goes if there's not a strong America standing up there, against the bullies. There's no one else. There isn't. And, and, that, that there, is and there the, won't be. And that's the scariest thing to me. My children, my daughters, yes. their children, uh, the future that we're heading towards. On a positive note, where where do we go from here? How do we how do we get there? How do we stop this wave? How do we stop the corruption? Do you see a win uh, in the before oh, yeah. January 20th? There's always hope. But it's going to require people stepping up and doing the right thing in law enforcement, uh, in these states and counties. And uh, we're going to have to have the federal government. They've been wholly, well, just absent without leave is what we used to say in the Army. They've been AWOL. And, and in fact, worse than that, they have lied about cases where there was evidence. Right. And I know they told Jeff Session in one where we knew there was a stack of evidence and they lied to Jeff and said, FBI, FBI. Uh, there's nothing to it. There's no evidence. I've, I've been all over the country. I've seen it piles upon piles, stacks upon stacks, thousands of examples. But yeah, of course, when you don't investigate it, you won't find it. And that's, that's what yeah. we're seeing. Congressman but the Gilmer, evidence is there, and having been a judge, I've signed countless um, warrants for arrest and search warrants. There's plenty of evidence for search warrants, and it's time to grab this, these, the evidence and produce it. Uh, the courts are not letting us do it there. It's going to have to be in front of the world by people like you yourself, Ben. Well, we will. Media, we've got to get the word out. The courts totally failed us. We've got to let the people hear and then let them really decide an informed consent decision. God bless you, sir. Congressman Thank you. Louis Gomer, one of the few out there that are fighting back. God bless you. Keep standing up. And you as well, guys. Stay tuned. We've got much more. It's up to you, though. It's up to the American people. If you don't stand up, we're going to lose this nation. Right. Each one of us have a part to play. We'll be right back. Coming up on this edition of Primetime, there are funny people and then there are Crack your ribs with laughter, funny people. Miranda had a chance to sit down with the latter when she spoke to Turning Point USA's Chief Creative Officer, Benny Johnson. Stick around. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. 
Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. Welcome back to Dr. Gina Primetime. Turning Point USA has experienced some incredible growth over the past few years, and when you take a look at some of the content their team is cranking out, it's easy to see why. Their chief creative officer, Benny Johnson, is the creative cog that keeps the machine moving, and our very own Miranda Khan sat down with Benny to chat about the event and his experience with the young conservative movement. Hi, Miranda Khan here with Real America's Voice. We are here at day one of Turning Point USA, and joining us now is Chief Creative Officer Benny Johnson. So good to see you, and I have to say that video had me cracking up out loud in our entire team. Great sense of humor there. See it with your T-shirt as well. You know, I'm reading all these reports saying that they expected a, a record turnout, and I, I have to say, I, I think you did it. I think you have a record turnout here. Wouldn't you agree? We are so honored to have so many young Americans and young conservatives and young patriots that are coming here and traveling. It truly is uh, indicative of how this is where the energy is centered in the movement. It is here, young people, extremely diverse, wide range from everywhere, like coming together to say, uh, no, this isn't a communist country, this isn't a socialist country, we're proud of our nation, and we're going to make fun of liberals, and we're going to be positive. We're gonna have like energy in the positive direction, we're gonna be glad. It's amazing, like, have you ever seen a group of sadder people <laughs> than like than like liberals, even if they no even when they assume that they won, right? <laughs> no even when they assume, they're like they're like so depressed. But but they're you're so, so confident. This group is so confident that they didn't win, uh, and that's interesting yeah. to see. You know, sure, because really it doesn't matter which election. It matters like your worldview and life. Are you an actual winner? Like, are you a positive person? Do you yeah. have energy? Do you love your country? These are important factors, and every kid out there loves their countries, hate, hates communism, hates communists, and likes watching them all blow up. So that's what we did in the intro. Well, hence you have the uh, Student Action Summit, and, and these students are definitely, you know, active there and, and wanting to take necessary steps to promote those conservative ideals. What do you hope to accomplish here at the yeah. Student Action Summit, ultimately? Yeah, so... And how does this vary from years past? I mean, obviously, yes. it's been a very interesting year, True. to say the least. True. So we are abiding by all the COVID protocols, but there is a there is a huge amount of students that can't even get in, right? You can look around. If you if your cameras were to spin around, you'd see an entire an entire overflow room full of students. That's on top of thousands of other applications that we couldn't we couldn't uh, uh, admit because of the rules here. This could be a 10,000 person So how many people, strong. just curious then, how many people? You could, you could fill a amateur sports arena. You could fill, you how could many fill people, a sports arena. How many requests arena. did you have? Any, any idea? You'd have to check with the events department, but it's like, it could have been, it's 10,000 in the 10,000 So range. this whole 5,000 number, which was supposed to be a record number, you that's, had, you could have doubled that, that's is what you're saying. what's important to note, is that yeah. this movement is ascendant. This is Why do you think that is? Because it is where the energy is in the country, because of what the left is offering. Why would you, if, let's say it was two parties, LOL, part, Democrat Party, Republican Party. Let's say it was two 
of parties. Mm -hmm. And you can go to one party where everyone's like crying and sad and depressed and screaming uh, about their pronouns and wanting to cancel you. Or one party that says, no, uh, damn it, this is a great country and we're proud uh, to be here. And we're proud of our diverse and positive backgrounds. And that is this party. MAGA is ascendant. Uh, and that is, I think, very important, and that's what this event demonstrates. And, and what do you ultimately expect? Because you have just this, you know, star-studded lineup here. We were mentioning it earlier, but, I mean, obviously you have the mayor, Mayor Rudy Giuliani. You have Tucker Carlson. You have Donald Trump Jr., Kimberly Guilfoyle. You name it, Dinesh D'Souza. I mean, a lot of star-studded guests here. What do you want this crowd to walk away feeling, knowing, what's, what, what are the key messages Yes, there? that you're not alone. Very simple. You are not alone. It's one of the tricks of the left is try to frack, fraction and atomize the conservative movement. They want you to feel on your college campus, on social media, being censored. They want you to feel alone. And that is untrue. This is actually a majority movement in the country. The positivity and energy of this movement attracts people in. And you saw that obviously in 75 million Americans voting for this president for wide, wide growth in many different demographic ranges uh, for the president of the United States. And you see young people really excited about what's about supporting their country and being proud to be Americans. And so we want people to know that they're not alone. And when they're standing in a room of 5,000 people plus right. overflow, they don't feel alone. So let me ask you this. Uh, obviously, you mentioned that you were kind of joking and saying that liberals think that they've won the election. Clearly, you don't think that then based on that response. Do you think that President Trump will have a second term? Do you think this is going to end up at the Supreme Court and they're going to right. rule in his favor? Right. So I never do a lawyer's work. I'm not a lawyer, so I decide You not don't to, have to be a lawyer. I'm not like a constitutional I just expert. asked you, do you think there was election fraud? Absolutely. I mean, that's demonstrable. Do you think the courts are going to rule in President Trump's favor? Again, I'm not a juror, but I will say this. So there is demonstrable evidence of election fraud. Fraud occurred. You have to be a bizarre world crazy person to say no fraud occurred. Even CNN, through gritted teeth, admits that some fraud occurred in this election. The question is that the, the left wants to ask is, well, it wasn't enough to turn the election. So you've seen it right. go from there was no fraud to there wasn't enough to actually sway the election. I think that is an absolute false argument. The argument should be, why the hell was there fraud in the first place? And how much fraud are you okay with? Are you okay with just a little fraud? Are you okay with just enough fraud to like cancel out your votes? And that's the question that we have as Americans going forward is, how much fraud are we okay with? If we have a system that allows fraud, then no American should be all right with that. So let me ask you this. If the courts do not rule in favor of President Trump, yeah. and they say, sorry, there wasn't enough fraud yeah. here to change the outcome of the election, do you think that will, because we've heard some, some of our viewers that have written in saying, what's the point of voting? Yeah. We know these very important Senate runoff races yeah. could alter the balance of power when it comes to the Senate. Democrats could be in charge. A lot of them are saying, why bother then? Yeah. What would you say to those, those so, individuals, so perhaps young conservatives that are watching right yeah. now? There is slow change and fast change in American politics. Mm -hmm. And when you have enough people 
demanding something and saying this needs reform, change happens very quickly. Okay. If you look at civil rights legislation, if you look at tax rates, top tax rates, you could find a tax tax rate that was 90% during World War II, right? And now it gets it gets knocked down to what 21%. That happens because people demand change and they say this isn't the best path forward. Americans need to get real serious about election integrity. And I think that any Republican who doesn't get serious about that issue needs to be kicked out of office in 2022. And that should be the rallying cry. And if this movement demands election integrity, vote in person, voter ID, audit the voter rolls, federal money to make sure that we modernize and audit our voter rolls, I think those are winning issues. And it's also universal issues. Because the truth is, most Americans just want a fair playing field. I didn't see any anyone running in through the street saying Barack Obama didn't didn't win the presidency, right, in 2008 or 2012. And so... But- you're probably not old enough to remember, we do remember Gore versus Bush, and people were still calling Al <laughs> Gore right. Mr. President. Nobody wants to be called an illegitimate president. Right. And so Al Gore, by the way, interesting you bring that up, Al Gore had his day in court. That's what I think is actually particularly wrong, is that it is a, it is a, one, it's a therapeutic thing to allow people to be heard. And so the Supreme Court should allow this, allow Trump's argument to be heard, I think, uh, in the Supreme Court for the, for the sake of... But what if it is? Like, what if it is heard? And then still, yeah. like so many of these well, other the lawsuits least, thrown out? you had your day in court, right? And right. Al Gore had his day in court, all the way up to the Supreme Court. The Supreme Court rules against him. Al Gore concedes. And I think that that's the way the process works. That's the process working. And then everyone said, okay, only the insane people were like, stolen! But right now, you're going to have 75 million Americans. But would you still be secure? Even if the Supreme Court heard the argument, ruled in favor, yeah. you know, not in favor of President Trump, would you still be confident in voting? I think that there are so many cracks in our system that people should be very worried about the sanctity of their vote. And ultimately, that's the question here. The votes were desecrated. Our votes in this election were desecrated through unlimited mail-in voting, uh, the absolute breakdown of security checks on our ballots, and you can see, you can audit the voter rolls and see people voting out of state, dead people voting in multiple locations, vote tabulations being wildly off, machines malfunctioning. There is just, it should, the truth, okay. If you have a republic that is based on the will of the people, you have a republic that is based on our vote, and our votes don't count or don't matter or can't be tabulated, then you don't have a republic. You have the people in charge determining what everyone has, and that's what you have in Venezuela. That's what you have in Cuba. That's what you have in Saddam Hussein. Saddam Hussein says he has a democracy, and then he's like, I'm Saddam Hussein. You don't want that in America. We are running out of time, but Chief Creative Officer for Turning Point USA, uh, Betty Johnson, thank you so much for sitting there and taking the time to talk with Real America's Voice. It was a pleasure. <laughs> so glad I could bring up Saddam Hussein. Yes. I was waiting for that. And I love the fact that you're doing it with a smile. Thank you so much for joining us. It was a pleasure. <laughs> and you. that will do it for us right here at Turning Point USA in West Palm Beach, Florida. We'll be right back with more live coverage. You're watching Real America's Voice. And next on Primetime, our distinguished medical community, I'll get this out, is being told how to treat their patients by lifelong bureaucrats who've never had a day of medical training in their lives. But one group of frontline doctors is fighting back and speaking up on behalf of its patients. Heather Mullen sat down with a member of that organization, her interview, right after the break. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. 
I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Welcome back to Dr. Gina Primetime. This is our final segment of the show, but one that we feel is important. The Student Action Summit almost got stopped in its tracks before it could even begin, thanks to the local government in West Palm Beach. Thousands of students were almost barred from entering the event due to questionable science and pressure from the left in what is a blue county in a red state. That pressure has also been felt by the medical community, and one group of doctors in particular is no longer staying silent. Real America's Voice contributor Heather Mullins spoke with Dr. Simone Gold, a frequent guest of this show, about her efforts to give the American people the truth. Take a listen. Heather Mullins here back at Turning Point USA Student Action Summit for Real America's Voice. I'm here with one of America's best doctors, Dr. Simone Gold. Now you've had one heck of a last year. Uh, this pandemic, you have been right in the heart and center fighting for what you believe in. Can you tell us first a little bit about your background as a doctor? Yes, thank you so much. I'm a board certified emergency physician practicing on the front lines whether or not there's a pandemic for more than 20 years. Um, it takes a lot of training to be an emergency physician. And, um, you know, so if somebody comes into the hospital with a broken leg after a car accident or an asthma attack, I was the person you'd see. Of course, when COVID came around, that's also, you know, you would come in to see me. And I was very disturbed by the fact that we were being told by politicians and bureaucrats not to give a patient a certain medicine that I knew would help that patient. That had never happened to me before in my career. That's actually why I spoke up. And it's a super dangerous situation where you can't treat, when a doctor can't treat a patient in a way that they know is best, and you have a politician telling them no. That's why I spoke up. You know, who was telling you specifically that you couldn't prescribe it? And I'm assuming this medicine was the hydroxychloroquine, yeah. hydroxychloroquine we just heard you speak about. Yes. Um, so who was telling you you couldn't right. prescribe it? So there was two. One was on the micro level, my own medical director, as it was in most hospitals. No, 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 you can't prescribe it. That was really weird because we'd never had a situation like that where a medical director would tell another physician what you can and can't do. That just doesn't happen in medicine at all. You know, we all went to school for a very long time to make up our own minds and do what we think is best. The other was the politicians. The governor of the state, almost all states in the union, made rules that you could not prescribe hydroxychloroquine. In my particular case, Governor Newsom had the state medical board send a letter to all licensed practitioners, doctors and nurse practitioners and physician assistants, saying that if we prescribe hydroxychloroquine for COVID, it could be considered unprofessional conduct, which is a direct threat on my license, my ability to you know, make a living and take care of my kids. I've got two kids. And it was very strange because they nobody pretended that it wasn't safe. We were allowed to prescribe hydroxychloroquine, but just not for COVID. It was so bizarre that I had to speak up. So, what was it? Where was the governor getting the directive from the CDC, from the World Health Organization? Like, was he following their lead essentially? I, I think everyone was kind of following each other. Yes, the, the governor's letter specifically said the FDA says it's not approved, that it's on, that it's off label. However. That was a smokescreen. Doctors prescribe off-label about 30% of the time. So anybody out there who's listening who said, well, yeah, it's off-label, they think that has a meaning. It actually doesn't have a meaning. Off-label means you can't market it for certain disease. It doesn't mean you can't prescribe it. Doctors use off-label doctors use off all the time. I'll give you just a quick example. 
if a 16-year-old had a car accident and comes in to the ER with a bad broken leg, I'll give him morphine for pain. Any ER doctor would do that. That's off-label because morphine's never been studied or approved for pediatric use. So off-label is a meaningless distinction, but the FDA said it's off-label, so then the government has ran with it and said you can't prescribe it, it's off-label. That's what happened. And so the hydroxychloroquine, you did prescribe it at some point in time for COVID patients? Yes. And what was the response? Right. So exactly like the literature showed, it worked really, really well. It's almost like a miracle drug. Again, 20 years in the ER, and I rarely see a drug be this effective. Maybe it's really unbelievable. Like within hours, the patient improves. You have a patient who's shortness of breath, coughing, you know, a bit of a fever, you know, the ones who aren't critically ill. And you give it, and then within 12 hours or maybe 24 hours, they're so much better. It's really remarkable. Once you see that happen, you just can't ignore it. Then I looked at all the data, or prior to that and after that, I looked at all the data. There was, there's thousands of doctors like me. And by the way, I just want to throw it out there. This is a problem in Western countries. So this is a problem of Europe and America. But in other countries that are much poorer, they don't have this problem because hydroxychloroquine is available. So we're seeing that only the restrictions in America and Canada and the UK and Netherlands and France and Belgium bad and we didn't see the same restrictions for example in most of South America we don't see those restrictions in um, most of Asia much of Asia and in all of Africa we don't see those restrictions everywhere we don't have restrictions on hydroxychloroquine patients live and do very well so I've been let me ask your opinion on this with the hydroxychloroquine I want to stand on this a little bit do you think that was politically motivated because now we're hearing that uh, recently that there were some redactions at some hospitals or in some articles saying that okay now you can prescribe it could this be a in response to the recent election? Right. It was, it's, it's so politicized, and I think after the politicization, it got even bigger than that, where it just became groupthink. So it for sure was politicized. You know, when President Trump on March 19th at the Coronavirus Task Force meeting said, I happen to feel good about it, about hydroxychloroquine, the very next day, the media did everything they could to smear the drug. So they were angry at anything Trump said. But as, as a doctor, a scientist, and a mom, I, I don't, I can't process that that's the reason. You literally have a safe drug. Let, let's just remind everybody, this drug was FDA approved 65 years ago. It's been used billions of times across the planet. We can give it to babies, children, teenagers, pregnant women, nursing mothers, the elderly, and the immune compromised for decades for other diseases like rheumatoid arthritis and lupus. And they do well. And we're now telling people it's not safe or effective. It's really um, a crime against humanity. And what about the vaccines, though? Because like you said, that this has been around for years. This vaccine hasn't. In fact, yeah. Moderna, one of the companies in the running, running has not one FDA-approved drug in the market, yet it's getting billions of dollars pledged to it somehow to produce these vaccines. So what is your take on the vaccines? Right. I, <laughs> you know, I don't. It's such an obvious example. If, if you have in one source, the media, telling you that a 65-year-old medication is not safe, but a three-month-old medication is safe, you know, that I have a bridge to sell you, you know, <laughs> on Mars. I mean, it's just a, it's such a lunatic concept to begin with. So forgetting any politics, it doesn't make sense to take an experimental treatment for something unless you're, like, really at desperate need for it, right? So first of all, think of your risk of COVID. Is your risk of COVID worth it to take anything, certainly something experimental? Under age 20, your risk, your chances of surviving COVID, if you get it, is 99.997%, right? Why would you take something experimental? We feel so strongly about that at America's Frontline Doctors that we actually say it's prohibited to take the vaccine. We feel prohibited is the correct word because you have, it has almost no risk of harming you, almost none. 
And we don't know. There's real questions. I won't get into it too much, but there's something called antibody-dependent enhancement, and there's questions about fertility. They need to be answered prior to giving it to young people. Same really goes for young adults and middle-aged adults, age 20 to 49 or 50. Your chance of surviving COVID is 99.98%. You have to think twice and three times and five times, why would I take an experimental treatment for something that I'm going to survive anyway if we don't know the answers to this antibody-dependent enhancement, answers to how it affects the placenta. When you start getting over age 50 to 69, even in that group, the chances of survival is 90, I think it was 99.5%, right? At that point, okay, one in 200 could die from COVID. You can make your own risk assessment. And over age 69, you have a 95% chance of survival almost. You can make your own risk assessment about an experimental drug. I personally would rather take a drug that's safe and effective that's been around 65 years, but if you want it, at least there's a rationale for it. I always have to say, I am in no way anti-vaccination. I myself have been vaccinated every year for influenza. I've had full other vaccines. I've had the hepatitis vaccine, and my children have been vaccinated. This is not that. This is an experimental medical trial that's still ongoing, and until you collect all the data, it is irresponsible to give it to people who are at very low risk. Yeah, and so how do you feel, though, about like states like Massachusetts, where you have Governor Baker that just imposed this flu vaccine mandate to start for children six months of age to undergrads in the state, all of them by December 31st have to be vaccinated. Tons of parents freaking out right now um, because that's sort of like they believe the precursor to the COVID vaccine. Yeah. So first comes the mandatory flu shot. Next is the mandatory COVID vaccine. Right. So what are your thoughts on that? I actually think it's exactly that. It's like hashtag social compliance. I, I want to urge all the parents of kids out there you need to stop complying with insane regulations that could harm your children. You need to pull your children out. And I know that this is strange and it's not the American way of doing it. You know, I'm a mom. I was also a daughter, right? And school was the way to go. That was the, the American path, right? I think we're in new times. If you're living in a state where a governor is saying you must do this to be part of our school system, you need to step out. And I have to tell you that when you step out, the governor is going to change his decision. Absolutely. And what are the frontline doctors? What are you guys doing to combat this? Right. We are very, very worried about the government or anybody, private business, mandating any kind of medical treatment, any kind of liberty, you know, squashing down our liberty. But medical freedom especially. So we have started something, America's Frontline Doctors. Please go to stopmedicaldiscrimination.org. Stopmedicaldiscrimination.org exists because there's a lot of discrimination against people who are choosing not to participate in an experimental vaccine situation. Stopmedicaldiscrimination.org. We are gathering a million signatures, and we intend to go forward to private businesses. We think the threat's stronger from private businesses. And make sure they think twice about their own business interests before they lose all these customers that are not going to comply with the draconian regulations. Please, we need a million signatures. So talk a little bit about that, the yes. private businesses. So your worry, your biggest concern is the private businesses pushing the vaccines on Right. People. So fortunately, we live not in one real federal country, but we have 50 different states. So 50 states are not going to all come down and mandate something, right? Massachusetts is trying it. But if you had to, you can move to another state, right? It's possible. What's not going to be possible in America is if the airlines all get together and say, you must have this vaccine the same way they said you must wear the mask. By the way, I must correct myself. It's not a vaccine. It's an experimental vaccine. If all the airlines decide to get together and say, you must have this experimental vaccine, 
we're really in trouble. Freedom in America has ceased. We need to stop that. The way to stop that is for the airlines to understand it's going to be awfully painful for them if they go down that path. They need to step away from that and let, let the people decide. They need to, and we're going to help them make that correct decision of stepping away. Okay. Thank you so much. Thank Dr. You. Simone Gold doing awesome work here in America, fighting the good fight. This is Heather Mullins with Real America's Voice News at the Student Action Summit for Turning Point USA. We'll be back. Stay tuned. Thank you so much for joining me tonight, and thank you to everyone here at your new home for Real News, the uncensored and undaunted Real America's Voice. Live from Studio 6B, up next with Damon and the crew. Don't forget, hug your children, love your God, especially this time of year. Go boldly now and live the truth. Good night, everybody.